0: This week on the Drew Goodman Podcast with Julie Browman, is there hope for
1: baseball? For the
2: first time in a long time, I think we have reason to be optimistic.
1: I don't think they're at a deal yet. I think the players are going to push back and ask for more games than 60. And Brewers announcer Brian Anderson on the State of Baseball. And he reflects on covering the golf match with Brady, Manning, Mickelson, and Woods. That, to
0: me, inspires So many ideas on how we can make people connect with our players. Tom Brady has never been more relatable than he was hacking away in the rain, splitting his
1: pants. This is the Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brownman. We're glad as always that you're along. It is podcast number 49 of the Drew Goodman podcast with Julie Brownman. Julie, how are you doing?
2: I'm good. How are you?
1: I'm doing great. Um, that's a lie, but, you know, <laughs> you can tell white lies. I'm hanging in.
2: Listen, we're going to uh, talk about it in a second. You should it? be doing better. We'll talk about it in a second, but come on.
1: I, yeah, I hope I hope so. There's promising news on, on, as we tape this on a Wednesday, June the, what is it, 6th, 17th? June the yeah, 17th. Yeah. In the year that's going to go down with a lot of expletives next to it, twenty. Twenty. So I was up in Cheyenne for the second weekend uh, in the last three weekends coaching baseball um, and it was just fun to be out on a baseball field Julie watching you know high school level players play and and parents there and it was normal it was normal. You know, went to a restaurant a couple times.
2: It's funny you say that. I was up in Evergreen the other day and I passed by. It was like a little league field and there were kids playing baseball on the little league field. And it was like this really, I slowed down and took it all in, you know, like, oh my God, that's the coolest thing. Yeah. I mean, hopefully that's where we're headed. Right.
1: Well, I remember you saying this. Several podcasts back, it was probably the better part of three months ago, quite frankly. And you said, One of the things that will come out of this that is a positive is that people truly will, I, I'm paraphrasing, but you know, smell the roses now, appreciate more. And the yeah. fact that you're racing around uh, in your role uh, with Adams County Fire and you slow down at a baseball field, you know, no one on the field, it was just a field <laughs> your path, but it felt good. And for me, a lover of baseball, a lover of being involved in baseball, a lover of coaching, a lover of of kids. To to be up in Cheyenne, man, it meant a lot.
2: Yeah, I can see that. And you know what? I feel good about. I know things can change, but for the last few weeks, it's been a you know a bit negative about what's been going on with negotiations. But as you said, we're taping this on a Wednesday on June seventeenth, and. For the first time in a long time, I think we have reason to be optimistic with both sides actually being in one room and talking about maybe a, a, a proposal, if I can talk, of about 60 games fully where the players would get the full prorated salaries, which has been the hang-up. So we feel good, right, for the first time in a, a few weeks?
1: I I would use the adjective, Julie, I feel encouraged. Okay. I certainly was very discouraged over the weekend. I don't think they're at a deal yet. I think the players are going to push back and ask for more games than 60. And maybe they arrive at 65 if the owners give in uh, some. And I hope they do. You have to compromise. What to me has been uh, just uh, kind of ludicrous is that it's taken this long for the two parties to get together. Commissioner Manfred flew to Phoenix evidently early Tuesday and he sat down with Tony Clark. His counterpart was the head of the Players Association. And that's what should have happened, right, you would think, weeks and weeks ago. Isn't that, isn't that how you solve an issue, get in the same room? And I know because of the pandemic it's harder to do, but you can still have – Several people in a room, we know they can do that and converse, and that is it was long overdue,
2: yeah, it was getting to the point, actually even doing i don't you probably couldn't feel exactly like I felt, but it was getting so disgusting, I think to a lot of people to to me, I was um just disgusted with the with both sides that maybe they realized that as a country that's where it was it was going. There was just no excuse. There's no excuse for what was happening, where it was going, and I'm hopefully knock on wood that cooler heads prevailed and they realized that 40 million people are unemployed and a lot of people have had to change things. And you know what? Let's just figure it out because people were people were getting so pissed off, to be honest, that um, they were they were in danger of losing even more fans than they have. You know, attendance has slowly been going down. I don't even want to imagine what would happen if they had to cancel the season. So the good news, the good news is that hopefully we're headed for baseball. I think it would be June 19th. I mean, July 19th or July 20th. Is that correct? Yeah,
1: but by the, by the proposal that it would be somewhere around there, the, the middle of June, the third week, or excuse me, I, I just did what you did the third week of July, somewhere in there. I will also say this, Julie, and, and this is part of the frustration for all people, um, whether you're intimately involved or a big fan of the game or just a you know a casual observer of the game is that these two sides, Julie cannot get divorced. That's not an option. It's an option in relationships when things reach a point where you know you just have to separate. They can yell and scream at each other like happens sometimes in relationships. They can have, great antipathy for each other at times, but Julie, they can never get divorced. At the end of the evening, they have to find a way to say I love you even if they don't fully mean it or say I like you or give each other a kiss and say goodnight and and move on. They can't get divorced. They're the best players in the world on the player side. Owners need them and the owners run these Teams that are—they—they they almost have a civic responsibility. They play in stadiums that were at least aided, paying for by taxpayers. <laughs> they can't get divorced, right?
2: No, but they can stay together and have a rocky, unhappy relationship.
1: <laughs> they can have enmity time for at times. They—they they can have distrust, but they can never fully divorced. So at some point in time, you have to say, listen, <laughs> we have to find a way to work this out and I' and I'm glad it appears that they're on the path to doing that. and hopefully, uh, when we gather next week, we'll say, yeah, we, we, we've been we've been teasing. Mary. Julia, you and I will we'll take people behind the curtain a little bit. Obviously, we've assumed a lot of times that when we tape on a Tuesday or Wednesday, that news would break on Thursday or Friday. They have a deal and, and we would still be at, at least a little bit behind in terms of our podcast. But we've been saying that for weeks on end. Hopefully next week when we visit we will fully have an idea of when the season will start, and that will be good news.
2: Let me ask you this, though. Is this um, – so these negotiations that, that are going on are just for this season, and I do think there's maybe a few scars, right, um, from this season. Hopefully, you know, obviously we'll get to play. So then next season, are we gonna, we're we going to go through this again, right?
1: Well, the, the co- collective bargaining agreement ends in December of 2021. So – Next year, it's going to be like a dark cloud hanging over baseball mm-hmm. unless they make some significant progress in this offseason and get a deal done preemptively. Their history, and certainly their recent history, suggests that ain't going to happen. Right. And, and the disturbing thing is is that through this pandemic, as you were talking about, and the tremendous Effect and negative effect clearly it's had on the whole world and unemployment and people really struggling that it, it's taken this long to come on the precipice of a deal. So a year from now, I I, I think we we may be in the same boat, and it may it sickens me to say that sickens me.
2: Yeah. Well. To say
1: that, and I hope I hope it's not.
2: Right. Maybe maybe there were lessons learned. So you had a chance to do a pretty fun interview, correct? For this episode?
1: Yeah. I mean Brian Anderson is uh is a colleague and a friend. He he's the longtime television play by play voice of the Milwaukee Brewers. He also works nationally for Turner doing the NBA. He most recently you, you saw him, he was the he was the main host of the Tiger and Phil and Tom Brady and Peyton Manning golf event, which drew millions and millions of uh, eyeballs. Um, as I mentioned, he does hoops. He does college basketball for CBS. He's doing work for Fox. Um, terrific. He's a terrific broadcaster, but he's a terrific guy also. And he has a lot of opinions uh, on a number of topics. And we talked certainly about baseball. We talked about innovations in baseball. Um, we talked about our business and what effect – going forward, this could have not only on our business, but how it may affect fans. And I think uh, people will find that uh, interesting. So uh, uh, BA, as is, is, is his nickname is, is our guest this week.
2: All right. Well, we'll do that after the break. But of course, as we always do, want to tell you a little bit about how Boyer's Coffee is doing, best coffee in Colorado. And here's Marky to do it.
1: Boyer's Coffee is Colorado-crafted and a perfect Father's Day gift. Stock up your dad's coffee supply today with his favorite fresh-roasted Boyer's Coffee. Available at your local grocery store and online at boyerscoffee.com. Well, you and I always drink our Boyer's Coffee to give us a pick-me-up, and it's how we start our day. It's how I start every broadcast, and quite frankly, I, I have one in front of me when I'm uh, my, mo- my Boyer's Mocha, when I'm doing uh, uh, Rockies games. And hopefully that is uh, not far away again. Also, our good friends at Ideal Home Loans, they've been with us since uh, day one. Uh, we love and appreciate uh, their allegiance to us. And you know what? So many people who've done business with Ideal Home Loans have a great allegiance with them because they're happy, they're satisfied, they're well taken care of, and they become repeat customers. And if you're a repeat customer, there's no greater testament to what kind of business you have. So if you're in the market for a home loan or a refinance, give Ideal Home Loans a call, 303-867-7000, 303-867-7000. Brent Ivinson and his team have been doing it for two decades. They do it better than anybody. I know I've been a client. I'm a repeat client. Give them a shout. 303-867-7000. 303-867-7000. Brent Ivinson and Ideal Home Loans are going to save you money. They also every week bring us our our interview of the week. It is time for a sit down with the aforementioned television play-by-play voice of the Milwaukee Brewers. And he works nationally, as we're discussing with Turner and CBS and Fox, Brian Anderson. Well, it's good to hook up with uh, an old friend and colleague who's been in this business. Uh, I don't a long time, not quite as long as me, because you're not as old as me. So uh, that that's a good thing. But Brian Anderson, longtime television voice of the Milwaukee Brewers and Turner Sports and CBS Sports and and Fox now. And um, before we get to when most people have most recently seen you, and that was the very captivating Tiger and Phil and Peyton and, uh, and Tom Brady match, as we tape this today, it appears, keep our fingers crossed, that Major League Baseball and the Players Association are close to a deal, and I'll, I'll say it for you, hallelujah, how have you been? How have you been holding up? And what's been your take on this whole process?
0: Well, it's been frustrating to, to sit here in the middle and, and you know get a lot of this information via Twitter, social media, the news handles. Obviously, a lot of the baseball writers. There are a ton of leaks, a ton of information coming out. And unlike 1994, uh, when there was a work stoppage, um, I think the owners have met a pretty formidable opponent this time around and that the players have a very strong voice on social media and I do expect the season to resume or happen. I think there's going to be between a 50 or 60 game schedule. There could be expanded playoffs. I, I just think there's too much to lose not to play. I was happy to hear that Rob Manfred and Tony Clark, the commissioner and the head of the Players Union, finally got together by themselves over two days and so I'm confident in that. I, I think everybody may have learned a lesson that in this day and age, and you've seen how powerful social media is. I think, you know, baseball owners, those who looked at social media as just something that's there and has its place but doesn't have the ability to move the needle, uh, and, and coming from a guy who was very late to Twitter, by the way, but I think we've seen it in so many social justice incidents and we're seeing it in baseball. Players have a huge following on their social media handles and they've been given a voice and they're expressing that and they've kind of exposed and asked the right kind of questions to the owners. And so, you know, the owners can impose whatever they want at this point, but remember the, the new agreement is, is ending or is due after next season. So, we could be going through all this over again next year, which I hope is not this, uh, this venomous next year, but I hope everybody learned their lesson and it's probably best to be transparent and, you know, just represent what, where you are as an industry. I don't think baseball is a losing proposition. As the Cardinals owner mentioned, I think baseball is very profitable and all you got to do is look at my network. We've, he reportedly antied up uh, for another six or eight years. Uh, I'm not sure how long it's going to be, but that's been the talk. So baseball is a great sport. It's a great business. Fans don't want to hear all the nonsense. We certainly don't. we have kind of sitting in the middle as announcers. So I hope um, we'll get games on soon because if if fans need anything right now, I mean, a lot of them, most people just are struggling, and people who love baseball, they just want to see a game. And we just want to call a game. We want to bring you a game. So, work out the details, come out of the room together, and present a package. And that's that's what I'm hopeful for, and I think that's going to happen.
1: Yeah, it does appear to, and, I, and I'm with you. I think uh, there, there are two areas that I was most frustrated with. One was the leaks, because you are not going to curry any degree of sympathy in the environment that the world exists right now from anyone. And typically, you don't curry much sympathy anyhow, because... For most folks, they just look at it as very wealthy people arguing. And then the second part of it, and to me, what was inexplicable, and fortunately it finally happened, is that Commissioner Manfred and Tony Clark, who heads the Players Association, actually got together face-to-face in Phoenix, Why in this day and age, and I understand we have a pandemic, but that does not mean that you cannot be in a room together with your lieutenants and and be socially distanced, et cetera. Why did it take this long, and why are we exchanging letters as if it is, you know, 1825?
0: (laughs) Yes, and those letters showing up on, let's say, a Twitter feed, and, you know, if you think about how you – absorb all that right you're scrolling through you read this letter from baseball then the next thing is um a protest and some legislation somewhere uh the importance of black lives matter um so think about where it's falling in the assembly line of how you receive this how you're absorbing your social media whether it's instagram or twitter or whatever however you're and then it just doesn't stand up, right? So that's the frustrating part. People are exhausted right now. You know, everybody's everybody's trying to fight through this in their own way, and many are struggling. Our economy is struggling. We don't know how we're coming out of this, people's health. Um, all the things that matter, what we call essential, what we now know is essential, is truly essential. And if, you know, baseball doesn't take their place, which is not essential, but does have a, a really important role, in the psyche of the country and wanting a distraction from a tough day, whatever that may be. And baseball's always been the sport that has been the leader in that, you know, throughout history. Um, whether it's world wars or whether it's 9 11, whether it's coming out of whatever we're going through as a country, baseball's kind of been the rock that's delivered um, an entertainment piece, a distraction. So, and they. I felt for a moment like they were going to totally drop the ball on this. Um, I think they will come back now. So all of that being said, you know, I think this is probably the way negotiations have gone. The biggest difference is the giant mirror that social media presents, and now a lot of this is out there. And where I, I don't think leaks are anything new, I think that's always been a strategy, especially from the owner's perspective, I think the leaks to reporters who get scoops, and that's their job to get scoops, um, those are coming from somewhere, and, you know, typically you would kind of fight off agents of a a particular agent. Well, agents aren't really looked at as, you know, individuals you'd want to get information from or take a side from. But all of a sudden when you got Trevor Bauer and Max Scherzer and Christian Yelich uh, laying out their Side of it and what they're frustrated about now it changes and so I think that's the biggest difference with what we're experiencing now with the modern day labor negotiation so hopefully everybody's learned their lesson and they won't run the fans through this next season when they have to bargain the new CBA, you know, when they have to get negotiate that. So that's my hope. Hopefully something good comes out of it. If we can get to this point and everybody learns some lessons and then we can just watch some baseball here shortly.
1: Hey, Brian, let me bring something out that I I always personally was uh, a baseball traditionalist and you and I both work in the national league. The, The Brewers came over a number of years ago from the AL and I liked the National League game, that there was a greater degree of thought process for a manager, especially in late innings, how he utilized his bullpen, how he utilized his bench, because, you know, you're down a run. Here comes the pitcher up in a key situation. Do you pinch it now, even though he's rolling along? I love that cerebral part of the game. It's going to go away, and probably in all likelihood, it's going to go away for good in the National League. I also... As you are very much aware of the fact that the average baseball fan is around sixty, who sits down and watches you and and Billy Schroeder do the do the Brewers at seven o'clock at night, and 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 myself and and uh, and Spilly and Jeff Houston do the do the Rockies. It is an older audience, and I and I've t- taken a look at this, and I said you have a sixty-game, let's say, canvas this year to really move outside of the box. And I don't mean just micing up players, but really trying to make superstars out of the best players like they've done in a league you're very familiar with, the NBA. Maybe even as the NFL has done, toy with some rules um, to get that next generation involved in the viewing of the sport
0: yeah and that's a that's a huge question and I've thought about this a lot and I've had different perspectives on it. I think where I land right now um not to continue to go back to social media, but I think the game can function on parallel tracks, so the game can function as is so my 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 first statement about it is I would love to see baseball stop running from what it is um It's not the n b a you can't say Mike Trout and the Angels are going to make a difference today. Mike Trout may go over for 4, and that happens a lot. He's the best player in the game. He's still going to fail a lot. So it's not the kind of game that one player can become a global superstar, I don't think. Now, there can be a guy who maybe transcends that at times, but even CeCe Sabathia, who is at the top of the game and the, one of the more colorful characters, it's still not, he's not going to be LeBron James. Um, Christian Yelich is not going to be a Kobe Bryant type figure. It's just not going to happen. And that's okay. What matters about the game for me is it's a community. It's, that's why the regional networks, like what we do, that's why the ratings are so popular and I do both. I do national baseball on T V and regional baseball on T V and there's much more passion and a connection to an audience on the regional side. And, you know, I do I do a national basketball broadcast and it's different. It you know, people do resonate with the national basketball broadcast unlike they do with a national baseball broadcast. And I'm literally the same guy calling both sports, so I feel like having gone through this wave the last few years, I can I've stepped back a little and realize that baseball just needs to be what it is. It's team, it's city, it's community-based, it's the Milwaukee Brewers. And, yes, they have star players, and those players will be seen. Maybe they won't. Maybe they get a day off. I don't know. But I do think it's important that the ballparks show up. And so so the ballparks, the experience, so now it becomes an entertainment piece, Right. So now this is where I'm a point I'm getting to with the parallel tracks. And as long as we develop as an industry, as long as we're developing creative, interesting, entertaining pieces that run ancillary to the television broadcast, because there are a lot of people that want to sit down and watch a ball game and we're providing that service. And this is all the moments between the highlights, right? We're telling stories. We're, you know, we're, teaching the game on on a lot of levels and we're sharing news that we've learned from the day and all the things that we as broadcasters do not just the ones who speak it but the producer director the cameras all that the audio the sounds of the game so we still have to be there to deliver the plays and the big moments now those moments are clipped off and put on social media and instantly you know you can See a highlight, a Drew Goodman call on a Nolan Arenado home run, it's there in seconds. And so I'm okay with that. And I think if we just embrace what the game is, stop trying to make the players play faster, um, I think we can tweak some things to get the game moving along. I think we could cut our commercial breaks, for one. I mean, that'd take 18 minutes off right there. Um, There's a lot of things that we can do to help the game play at a little different pace. At the same time, I don't think we have to make all these drastic changes to change the game. Just get better on the secondary track, so the second-hand experience, when the kind of content that we're producing, the way we're showing off our ballparks with our own videography, you know, and I think the Brewers, we do a great job, Uh, that's you know, I'm really proud of what the Brewers do on the social media side because they give you that experience that maybe even the television side of things is not getting to. You do you are getting sound from players uh, before and after the game, different areas. Maybe they've driven in with them, um, and we can utilize that. And so that's why I think we need to develop that secondhand experience and then let it fly as opposed to trying to change the game so much And because players – It's it's a hard game to play, and we're constantly telling them, play faster, play faster, play faster, and yet we're taking two-minute-and-45-second breaks. When the game's not really meant to play that slow between innings, these guys are ready. How long does a pitcher sit there in the dugout before he comes back out to throw his warm-ups? A minute? That's not the pace of it. I remember calling minor league games when we were 90 seconds between innings, and that kind of pace, it it moved a little faster, it was a different game, but I, I think that'll come and go, but we need to support the ancillary side of the game, so that kids maybe who don't, maybe they don't want to sit and watch a whole game like their parents or grandparents, but they definitely want to be at the ballpark, they definitely want to be on their phones, and utilize that, if it pops up with TikToks and it pops up with highlights and a player's doing a dance or whatever. So be it, man. Let's lean into that more than we're doing right now.
1: Do you know, I had this idea that I never would have advanced a few years ago, but I'm going to throw it out there. and, and And I, and I, and I thought your kind of synopsis of where we are and where we need to go Uh, was most interesting and and probably uh, in line with how I have felt over the years. But I I will go back to the NBA for a moment. And no, baseball players will never rise to the level of a Michael Jordan or LeBron James because you know if you're covering the Lakers, uh, and hopefully you will be in August, and it comes down to a a final shot situation and the Lakers have the basketball, the whole world knows LeBron is going to have the rock, just like we knew with the Bulls that Michael was going to have the rock. And in baseball, if you're a Brewer fan, you hope to God that the game on the line, that Christian Yelich is in the on-deck circle. But one way we can change this, and this is out there, Brian, you may go, what are you talking about, Goodman? Are you smoking something that is legal now in Colorado? What if... One time a game now, from the seventh inning on, let's say, the manager has a hitter's card. He can walk out. The bases are loaded for the Brewers, and the eighth spot in the lineup is up. But Christian Yelich isn't due up for four more hitters or five more hitters. He can walk to the plate and say, I'm utilizing my hitter's card here. Christian Yelich is going to take this at bat. Now you have – an audience at home going, hey, is he going to play the hitter's card here in the eighth? And we are going to see Yelich, you know, one of the best players, if not the best overall player in the game? Is he going to take this at bat right now with the with the Brewers down a couple of runs and the bases loaded? I mean, I know it's out there. I know it goes against everything I've always believed about the game. But now, instead of Christian Yelich getting his four ABs, he's not only getting his fifth, but he's having a chance to take the, and I put this in air quotes, the last shot of the game potentially.
0: Well, I'm. I don't like that idea, and here's why. Mine's more philosophical, though. But I, I would say, <clears throat> starting with the starting point is now. You know who the stars are. Uh, as we get moving, though, you know it's pretty cool to see a rookie or a second year player who gets up in a spot like that. And when Christian Yelich is in the second year with the Miami Marlins, and now he gets that at bat, that maybe he would have been you know, pinch hit for, he's going to get that at-bat. And then he delivers a few times, and now he grows into a star. And if we always have that option, then maybe we never find that out. So I like the drama of, <clears throat> you know, a Mark Lemke in the in the World Series or in the playoffs. Remember uh, how great he was for them. There's always, uh, you know, Bucky Dent. Is Bucky Dent going to get the at-bat for the Yankees against Boston at Fenway Park to, uh, to send him – into the playoffs, you know, I don't know, probably not. They're probably going to pinch hit somebody else, right? So I, I kind of like um, the idea of the underdog delivering in this game. And I honestly don't, and, I, and I've and i been on the other side where at one point, maybe a couple of years ago, I'm thinking seven-inning game, uh, make it a sprint to the finish, uh, make it a low-scoring, fast-moving, runs are at a premium, and let's, let's be that. Uh, but now I'm – I'm on the other side. Like I said, I think if we foster what we're delivering from those games and creating some urgency for people to check it out, for you know, for a 10-year-old to say, wow, Christian Yelich is a really good TikTok dancer, and, oh, he's up at the plate. Oh, he just hit a home run. Maybe we'll start capturing fans that way where they'll actually get to know Christian Yelich and we can tell more stories about him on a social platform. Um, and then we can connect them to the game, and then they'll pop in and out as it goes, and we'll still have the game because we still need to do the games, and they need to play the game. So I've gotten off the drastic changing of the game, which I was all for a couple of years ago, but I think it's okay to just let the game be what it is. It's a great game. There's a lot of strategy involved. I'm totally against the DH. I would actually love to see pitchers hit both leagues. I know that's never going to happen, but I do think the strategy is what sets the game apart. And let's go ahead and the people who want to dive into the strategy and the ins and outs of it, go ahead and dive in. Um, on the other side, if you just want to see shots or, or in a, like a PGA tour setting, you just want to see a couple of highlights and a couple of shots. You don't have to watch the whole golf tournament. Same in baseball. If you want to see a home run or how a guy made a play? But that's our responsibility. Ours as an industry to make sure we're not just showing home runs. To make sure we're not just showing, you know, amazing defensive plays. That that we are showcasing strategy, setting up with proper editing about, okay, he walked this guy to get to this guy, this guy got a base hit, this guy was thrown out a third, this guy, you know, then had a, a single to win it. That that's the kind of stuff I'm talking about. So that means educating our staffs on what What's important and what makes baseball cool and fun and interesting, and not to mention all the other stuff players walking in to the ballpark, you know, what they drive, their homes, what they're involved in with their charities. And that relies on the players allowing us access to do that. And so I think there's a lot that could be discussed from a content perspective and a creative perspective, but I'm moving off the point where we need to change the game. I'm saying double down on the game, let it be what it is and then supported on on the ancillary side to to create some some interest in the game. Like why couldn't we have you mentioned the match that I just I just did and my takeaway from the match, which was Tiger Woods and Tom Brady teaming up against Phil Mickelson and, and Pate Manning, what the takeaway was like we really learned something about Tom Brady. And we thought we knew everything about Tom Brady. Tom Brady became so relatable in that kind of setting, you know, why couldn't we produce golf events, bowling events where guys aren't so geared up and trying to do well at their crafts? Remember the old superstars when we were growing up? Oh, of course. It was great. That's why those guys became so famous is the the network superstars when you have athletes and entertainers co mingling they're doing commercials together they're doing like uh, you know weird track events you know whatever.
1: Yeah I mean think about the the great success of the Light Beer commercials where you did see different stars from different uh, sports in the same you know on the same commercial and it, you know it's cool Gordy Howe is, is you know having having you know with Dick Butkus or you know OJ Simpson back when OJ Simpson wasn't uh, you know looked upon as he is in, in most circles now. Uh, so, you know, there there's definitely some truth to that. I do want to ask you a little bit about that match because you it was a, in what we do. It had to be somewhat of an awkward booth, not with, with who you were working with, certainly. But I see you come on the air. The whole world's watching because we're star for sports and, and Tiger is always must-see television. You have the two biggest, you know, maybe the, the two biggest football stars of the last quarter century, certainly, and Peyton Manning and Tom Brady and and Phil Mickelson has always been the bridesmaid seemingly to Tiger, but he's one of the greatest 10 golfers in the history of the sport. And you're in this booth and you, and you have Trevor next to you, Trevor, right. Is Trevor Emmelman with you? Correct. uh, And Charles Barkley. and, And Chuck. And, but you, they weren't you, you. You know, you were socially distanced, and and you had like a moat next to each guy. How strange was that to be conversational? And I thought you guys pulled it off great, by the way. And I thought it was a great Thank broadcast. You. But it, it had to be strange. And, and I'm not. I'm just taking people behind the curtain a little bit. It's different from what we're used to doing when you literally can't reach out and touch the guy next to you.
0: Yeah, that was uh, we we kept you know. Where the rubber meets the road, there is we had each of us had an individual camera that we stared into, almost like a Zoom or a FaceTime chat. So Charles, who's sitting ten feet to my left, when I address him, my instinct is to turn to him, which you can't do. And Charles, you know, I kept saying, "Don't don't look at me, just look at the camera, pretend you're on a FaceTime call right now." because "I got it." And the first time I do it to him, he turned right to me and looked at me. So that's a hard instinct to fight. Uh, even though we put, put up plexiglass between us. But, you know, I think generally that that was a, a unique event that kind of just all came together in a perfect storm. Um, there was a storm there, which made it really interesting. But that's the kind of event I came away from that event thinking, this is what we need. And I, I had a conversation with Tom Warner, the owner of the Red Sox, and he watched the match, and he was very complimentary, and, and it was a huge success, I mean, on many levels. So not only did we – we did a five-and-a-half-hour broadcast. We raised $20 million in a single afternoon. That is incredible. Um, and we saw some good competition, but it wasn't the end-of-the-world competition. We had microphone, we had a lot of technology. We had a lot of technology that went down because of the weather, but we were able to utilize the card cameras, which is the NASCAR in-car system, and that was really cool. And we, we were able to throw out all these ideas, and the competitors themselves were instrumental in telling us what they wanted to do, what their ideas, and how we could execute those ideas. For example, Peyton Manning would say, Hey, I, I got a really interesting story about. You know when I first came to the league, and instead of me just saying it, it'd be better if you know if you guys would bring that up at some point if you want to. And and him not knowing when he's in the window and when he's not, and so we worked through that with these guys, and we would say, okay, Tiger. After we'd have somebody down there, a stage manager would say, after these tee shots, Tiger, we're gonna we're gonna interview you in the cart, right? And the first time we tried that, it didn't work. The, his earpiece was down because of all the rain, but at the same time, we were able to organize and, and, and keep that thing uh, a little more tidy than we would if we were doing our normal jobs where we just cover the events on the field. So this was a completely different situation where we're all collaborating together, knowing we're raising a lot of money and trying to put on a good show. That being said, that to me inspires so many ideas on how we can make people connect with our players because Tom Brady has never been more relatable than he was hacking away in the rain, splitting his pants and just struggling. We've all been there. If you play the game of golf and then he just turns on that championship medal and knocks one in from 140 yards and then plays really well on the back nine with Phil, like that's why he's a champion. Like you could see all that come together. So that's kind of my point. It was a really interesting broadcast. I was really proud to be a part of it, and it, I, I don't think it's it's asking too much to say ask CBS to put that kind of broadcast on in a PGA Tour event. It's just not feasible. And I know they're going to try to put microphones on players, and we, you, and me, and our networks, we've tried to put microphones on ball players forever. It just changes things, man. They're not going to be as forward. They're not going to be as every now and then we get a good nugget, but it would be better to get to know these guys on a different level away from the field as best we can, as much as they'll allow, as opposed to trying to dig down into their, into their hole. And I do like the idea of like a confessional area where a player could pop in, pop a headset on, speak directly to his fan base through his social handles. I'm all for that, and we would just take a clip of that and use it and promote you know, his Instagram or whatever he wants to promote. But generally, we just need to let the players play the games. It's hard enough, and then we'll cover it as best we can, and we're always fighting for more access, of course. Um, But at some point, there is a line that you have to draw, and not everything needs to be shared. If I'm a player, I I don't want to share everything. And I take you back to the NFL Films days. You know, part of the reason the NFL got so popular was one was gambling. But really, how cool were those NFL Films when they would come out a week or two later, what Steve Sable and his team were able to do with the mic'd up players, with the sounds of the game, and they did it in a way that really promoted the game and got you inside. And we can do that now faster than they were able to do it on film But that was the way the NFL was able to. And they were way ahead of their time in this thinking that, wow, we can show a layer of the NFL that we can't show on a broadcast, but we can deliver in an ancillary fashion. And they did it. And that that's some of my fondest memories of the NFL as a kid, was NFL yeah. films, not the it, actual games.
1: It it still, for me, is some of the best television, sports television, that's ever been produced, which is really odd to say, as innovative as we can be from a technological standpoint today. But when you think back, you had the voice of John Facenda, and, and Steve Sable's group was way ahead of their time in terms of miking the players and truly what if what if fans want they want to go behind the curtain they want to see how the sausage is made even in sometimes when it's not pretty it's why um, you know the the hbo series is with taking people yeah, to training hard knocks, camp yeah. hard knocks has been very very successful and, and well received um, i i loved by the way the tiger phil stuff was great tom brady became a human you, you know he was humanized because any, as you said, anybody who plays this game, uh, the game of golf, uh, struggles at times. Uh, but the interaction too between Charles, who, as you know, is priceless. Th- those interactions were, you know, took it to another level <laughs> with Chuck of all people giving Brady a hard time about his golf game, and then you know, suck on that, Chuck. <laughs>
0: That was my favorite part. Uh, and again, like we couldn't, we couldn't ask Phil Mickelson to wear an earpiece with the with the battery pack on his belt if he's competing at a major championship or even a regular PGA Tour event. We can't ask him to do that, but we can create other avenues to present that. And so, uh, you know, I, I I was glad we did it. We did it on a very streamlined operation where we all had to be separated, not just us on the air, but all of our you know our graphics team our our replay operators we brought in basically three extra trucks so they could all separate you know we're not going to normally have the money the resources to do that but i do think it did create some interest and and there was a you know it was a good test run for what we can do and what the what the venue needs to be so we're not going to ask Mike Trout to wear a, maybe not necessarily wear a live microphone during a World Series game, but we can bury a smaller microphone that we can record and then run back later, and if he trusts us not to you know, there's a lot of things that don't need to be heard on television. Let's just face it, as much as everybody wants to hear everything, there's a lot of things that don't need to be heard, and we have we have to be responsible enough. That the players would trust us to do that, and if we can show them in a different light elsewhere, man, I, I just think all of this, the shutdown, we've lost something we love in sports. It's they're coming back in different levels, and I think it's forced all of us to think about how we entertain, um, what we, how we can entertain, what we can do to showcase our players, our athletes in all sports. I think it's changed everything. I think the NBA's got it figured out better than anybody, the way they've made their players almost like a soap opera you know even all the negative stuff and all the bad back and forth it's still people are interested in that it almost becomes the tabloids you know with the royals and so that's kind of what it's like and i think that's okay um it's okay to be criticized and it's okay to to showcase all of this you know all of these ancillary pieces that uh, are available so i would just hope we just continue to to move forward and and you know, build relationships. The one thing I will say, and you and I have talked about this if you start drawing serious lines between us as broadcasters or media and them, players, and they get further and further separated from us, we're not going to be able to share those stories and we're not going to be able to really tell a piece of the puzzle that I think players. Once their career is over, they recognize recognized was important. I mean, even the Jordan documentary, you know, um, The Last Stand. At some point, as great as it was, is a beautiful, beautifully edited and just really interesting. But at some point, you know, this is fully approved by Michael Jordan, and and it can only go so far. And it's Jordan approved, right? So yeah, it was a cool story, and it was interesting, and you found out some things you didn't know, but. Did you really? I mean, it was great to watch with my nephew and hey, this is the guy that I, when I was your age this is the guy that I watched, but ultimately, it was still cleared by Jordan, so um, if you're not able to kind of tell both sides the good and the bad and and, and present art the way, you know, because I do think what we do is art when we're presenting these games, um, it's going to be a struggle to, to get there again. We can't have two spinning wheels. Um, so, I hope that I hope people were inspired by the match and what they saw there, and the interaction and the collaborative nature. I mean, Justin Thomas, for example, was on our broadcast. He's the fourth-ranked player in the world. After we were done, I mean, he's texting me like that was amazing. I can't believe how you do your job, and I've ne- I'm never going to look at television the same again. I learned so much. It was really fun, and he was amazing. He was he gets a better understanding, right, Drew, and we get a better understanding of his world. And he's been very clear. He doesn't want to wear a microphone while he competes, and that's okay. I get it. I understand his side now.
1: I, I certainly respect that. First of all, he did a great job for being—you you, came call him a novice. He had never done it before, um, and, and I thought he did a great job. He added insight. He's—he's um, he's such a—he's he's a likable guy as well, and he's one of the next faces of, of this new generation of of terrific players that have all been spawned by Tiger's success and how Tiger took care of himself and how Tiger trains, et cetera. I do want to pick up on one point. Again, you and I have talked about this before. One of the things I'm concerned about and what you alluded to, and it's not self-serving to just say, yeah, we may not have the same access because of COVID-19, and it's certainly limited this year, but if certain executives or, or people that count every dollar say, hey, we can save more money, or if the players come out and say, yeah, let's let's keep them out of the clubhouse, let's keep them off the field for batting practice, et cetera, ultimately, it makes it much more difficult for us to do our job. And our job is to convey as much insight and and anecdotes that are worthy to be passed along and safe to be passed along. And if you don't have that access, you can no longer do that. And it's the fan that loses out. And that's not good.
0: Yeah, it's not us. I mean, we we know the role. And yes, we want to deliver information that's not found on Wikipedia, not found in a press release, not what I call media guide material. I rarely even read a media guide anymore because it's accessible to fans all the time. They can go find out whatever they want on players. They they have their phones with them like I want. And so I I want to be able to say the the greatest line that we can offer is, I spoke to so-and-so before the game. And if we can't say that, then that hurts the industry i believe now we can reference players if they if they'll be forward and they're writing in the player's tribune or they're showing up in a confessional station that we set up or i'm okay with that but as long as we can hear from players and we can understand that maybe they're going through something and we can show that off and they're willing to share that makes our broadcast better it makes people more interested because we can say you know Lorenzo Cain's been battling an ankle problem but he's going to play through it and let's see if it hampers his swing and then we can compare his swing to the day before and then he still delivers with a base hit even when he's hobbled a little bit like that's drama sure and that's what we're doing we're trying to entertain and so um I, i'm with you and i don't know where it's going you know if you're if you're asking the fan do you would you rather go cheaper and have more games. Obviously, they're going to want to see more games, even though they may not get the level of intel. At the same time, you know, can we develop these other areas, like I was talking about earlier? So um, I'm worried about that, and that does concern me about not being able to – I don't need to be the friend of a player. That's not my goal. I'm not interested in spending any personal time with these guys. And I know you, and you're the same way. We go down there – We ask if a player has a moment. If they say no, so be it. It doesn't hurt my feelings one bit. If they say yes, I ask them a couple of questions, get in, get out, and then I'll have something to share on the air. And so, you know, that to me is the joy of the game. That's what I love about going to the ballpark or the arena is to try to connect with a player in that way and and be able to share something that maybe – Nobody would know because this has just been discovered right before the game, or maybe it's in game. I mean, in basketball, oftentimes a player will come by and say, say something to us at the table um, that we can share. You know, like that this guy, if this guy keeps guarding me, I'm going to keep. I'm going to have a big night. You're like, whoa, okay. <laughs> so right. we can we don't have to say that, but we can say, wow, so and so is still guarding LeBron.
1: Yeah, you, you certainly can clean it up, and um, I you know, have felt that on many occasions, especially, uh, you know, having done the NBA for a long period of time, one of the differences between the NBA and even doing football, which I love both of those sports. um, But baseball lends itself to being more anecdotal. You can tell the story that Christian Yelich and Nolan Arenado played on a travel ball team together. And Probably most people wouldn't be aware of that. And even you and I wouldn't be aware of that unless we had the access to, you know, just BS with guys and say, oh, really, I didn't know that. And the Rockies are playing the Brewers. And that becomes a, you know, a story of great interest. You know, to, we
0: know where it come, here's, here's a, a, a quick example. And I know you know this, but for the audience, that basically if this happens a lot. So you go down, you talk to a player, and I say, how's your day going? Great, man, my mom's here. She hadn't seen me play in three years. Oh, really? Great. That's the end of the conversation. You immediately walk over to the PR guy who handles the tickets. All right, do you know where his mom's sitting? We'd love to be able to see her. And then the guy hits a home run. You show his mom. We had that whole, that entire experience at your ballpark with Freddie Peralta when he made his major league debut. Mm-hmm. We don't get that if we don't. Have the relationship to say, "Oh, Freddie's mom is here. She hadn't seen him play ever professionally." I mean, if you don't have the relationships and the interaction, we're not going to get that. And that was a beautiful moment that Freddie will appreciate and enjoy and have recorded forever. He will. He will always remember that moment. It was captured, um, and so those are the kind of things that we're talking about. And that's that's what I hope
2: we don't lose sight of.
1: Yeah. Hey, B.A., listen, I, I can't thank you enough for spending some time. It's always good to visit. It's always good to talk shop. We could go on for uh, – we could fill up a couple more podcasts with uh, w- with stuff, if you will. And, and who cares if it's interesting to anybody else? It's interesting to us, right? So uh, And
0: we're broadcasters who have nothing to broadcast right now. So
1: Yeah. Well, uh, listen, I, I won't – you know what? I know for a fact – since you all are in the central and we're in the West and from all indications, we're going to stay in the West and, and maybe play some American league teams in the West and you're going to stay in the central. I I, I won't see you for a while, but I, I do look forward to um, next year when we get, hopefully we can get back to normal and we can, uh, you know, shoot the shit. And, and I can say that now on a podcast, which is a beautiful thing. Uh, <laughs> and we can do that hopefully on the field with, you know, with Billy and, and and our guys and and we can talk uh, shop a little bit and talk and compare notes, but um, continued success. You're having a wonderful career. Um, I I love listening to you and um, I look forward, as I said, to seeing you down the road, man.
0: Yeah. I hope so too. We'll, We'll have that day soon. Thanks, Drew. Good to be with you, bud.
2: That interview of course, every week brought to you by ideal home loans and very interesting. One of the things I really um, that was pretty intriguing. And I've thought about this a lot as a former broadcaster. And for you, because of COVID, things are just going to change in in so many ways, right? And it's going to change your job. And I think it's going to change your access. And you guys were talking about that. Before this all happened, we could all go down there and we'd go into the clubhouse. You could pretty much talk to whoever you want to talk to, and there wasn't a, a limit on, on the people, really, that could go down there. You just had to be credentialed. Drew, I think that access is going to be very limited before the game, after the game. I think um, your, the access yeah, well, you're going to get is not going to be the same.
1: No. Well, clearly, Julie, this year it's going to be non-existent, and understandably so. Everybody has to make concessions uh, until we can find a vaccine, a cure for, for this uh, pandemic, for COVID-19. So that that's a that's a given, and nobody has any issue with that. We want to make um, people as safe as possible. But what our concern is, and and not just mine or and Brian's, but you know, going forward down the road, if people you know say, okay, we, we're going to continue to limit access to players, the most important thing as a broadcaster that I do, and Brian w- was alluding to this. I mean, we read you know, articles and we read background information and there's no shortage of of the volumes of things you can look up uh, on players and teams and history. You have all of that. But the most important thing I do in preparation for a game at 640 at Coors Field or 730 at Dodger Stadium is visit with players on both sides. I hang out around the batting cage. Uh, Brian Anderson, I know, does the same thing. Uh, most broadcasters do. And it's not pointed questions. It's just developing relationships. And sometimes, you know, stories come out of that, that you can pass along to the public that's watching. And I, I hope that once we clear ourselves of this vicious pandemic, that, that baseball doesn't reduce that, you know, in years going forward, because it's really important for the presentation of the sport. And as Brian said, it has nothing to do with, you know, being buddy-buddy. It's not like you're trying to be friends with, you know, players. You know that as a former, you know, not a a former, you're you're a current broadcaster. It has nothing to do with that. It has to do with the ability to do your job to the best of your ability. And that is a big part of it. So we'll see. I mean, there's always changes that come about. And I know sometimes people move to extremes and then dial things back to the middle, Um, but that's something for down the road. But clearly this year, um, they're going to limit everybody's access and and intermingling uh, entirely and understandably so.
2: Anything else in that interview that uh, you really love love to hear you thought was intriguing?
1: Well, I I thought it was funny, and I know you you appreciate it, too, when Brian was talking about the studio on the 18th green for the the Tiger and Phil Brady and and Peyton Manning match, and – because they had to keep social distancing and they had the plexiglass between him and Trevor Immelman on on his right. Brian was in the middle and people who saw it, Charles Barkley was on his left. But instead of just turning like, Julie, when you and I are together, I'm going to turn and talk to you even on our podcast. Right. That's what you do. That's human interaction. Well, they had to look straight ahead, as Brian was expressing, <laughs> just look into the camera, even though Barkley was, you know, a few feet away from him. And you, you heard him say it. Charles even though they had talked about it, it's just human nature. Charles turned to Brian, and so he's showing the side of his head to the camera. <laughs> um,
2: uh, yes. it, interesting yeah, interesting times. Interesting
1: it, times. It, that's we we have all said that quite a bit. Interesting yeah. times. I hope Jules, as I said earlier, that next week when we talk mm-hmm. and we do this podcast, mm-hmm. we can officially begin it with Hallelujah. There's baseball, and the first Rockies game is going to be on July 19th, and it's against the LA Dodgers. I don't care who it's against, but you know, we have a date, we have a time, and we're raring to go.
2: Oh, I cannot wait! Even when you said that, I got excited. So even though the two sides make us so mad, I can't, I can't wait till we get to say that news. So hopefully, we will have that um, in the next podcast, which would be number 50.
1: And maybe that's the that's what we needed, Julie. We needed five zero to be ex, extra special.
2: I hope so, Drew. Have a wonderful, wonderful week. And what is,
1: by the way, what is fifty match fifty podcast? Does it match anything? You My know age. what's that?
2: My age, and you know that. Oh, you're, you're on it. You're fessing <laughs> up to
1: it. You're fessing up to it. I'm fessing up. All to right, it. hey, I've been made this a consistent thing. What's for dinner tonight?
2: Um, you know I think
1: cereal you had cereal last week and you dropped cottage cheese two weeks ago
2: Well, you know this i had made like i actually made turkey burgers but i didn't get to eat them so um cereal
1: okay cereal you know little little captain crunch never hurt anybody julie you have a marvelous week everybody out there have a marvelous and safe week we appreciate you uh downloading and listening spread the word tell your friends and uh we'll talk again in a few days take care everybody
2: all right. I'm going to hop off, but you're right. Hopefully next week we can be like, fuck yeah.
1: Yeah, that would be a good. That's what you should start it with. You have to start it with a fuck yeah.
2: <laughs> okay. I'm sorry. I gotta right.
1: hop off. Good luck with all your work. Okay, I appreciate bye-bye. you getting it done. All right. Take care. Bye.